Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Warrior U Podcast. Proudly presented by our parent company, Hindsight Leadership and Resilience. I'm your host, Bram Connolly, and this then is my show. A massive shout out to the podcast sponsors, Ironside Coffee and Gym Equipment Specialists, Aussie Strength. And of course, not forgetting Special Operations Research and Development, Sword Australia, for all your tactical equipment and clothing needs. Righto, let's get on with the show. Rightio. Thought I would get through this period between Christmas and New Year's by doing a podcast by myself, as in I'm my guest, so to speak. And I thought what I might do is review a chapter of my leadership book that's coming out next year. So it's a bit of a shorter podcast today, but let me know what you think, as always, by leaving me a review on iTunes, five stars is the best, and also a review, or mail me directly at bram at warrioru.com.au. You can also put me in touch with anyone you think would be a great guest or make some suggestions. So I'm going to review one of the chapters of the book, which is called Mission Focus to be released next year. And the chapter I'm going to review is about laziness and how it can become a habit And it starts with perfect practice makes perfect. So the previous chapter was all about um, Kapuka and then Singleton and why I joined the army, etc, etc. Fast forward about a year and I'm in the 1st Battalion as a Ford Scout. And I'm in the jungle. And the jungle has an amazing ability to amplify a person's laziness. And I was about to learn a major lesson like so many before me who had learnt that lesson from being in the battalions up in Townsville. And the lesson was that good habits take time and effort to develop, but bad habits seem to creep up on us and take over our lives. I read somewhere once that practice makes perfect, so be careful what you practice. This rings true especially for being lazy. If you start to get into habits of taking shortcuts it pretty quickly becomes the norm. As you can imagine, the jungle is hot and it's wet. And if you're not sweating from the humidity, you're being rained on. So you're basically always wet. Perhaps I haven't set the scene enough for you though. Generally, there are huge swarms of insects and they all seem to be attracted straight to your face. You inhale them with every single breath. Those you don't inhale are crawling down the back of your muddy, sweaty neck and into your shirt. The plants have thorns or spines, and if you try and fight them, they grab at your clothes. They tear your uniform until they get access to your skin, then they tear that too. It takes huge amounts of self-discipline 
not to panic, not to fight the environment. And it takes all of your self-control to remain calm. And this is protracted day and night. This is a jungle warfare lesson that provides a perspective that should demonstrate the importance of having self-discipline. It was 1992, around the end of October, and I was on an exercise in far north Queensland. We had one last exercise to do as a company, and the field trips seemed to coincide with the early arrival of the wet season. My section had been leading the company through the thick Coombaloomba scrub and jungle. I was the Ford Scout, and everything was pulling at my clothes, biting my skin and irritating me. I led us up onto a small hill in the jungle and towards a clearing where we would take up an overwatch position within the company harbour location. We crept through the low vegetation and we silently took up our positions. The idea was just to lie in silence for a few minutes, to tune into our surroundings, to be present. The reasoning was that if an enemy force had followed us or if an enemy position was close by, we might just hear them before they heard us. We lay there, silently covered in sweat from hacking through a hard stretch of lantana and then from carrying our packs all the way back up the large hill. I reckon I was lucky to be 55 kilograms back then and my pack and webbing weighed another 10 kilograms on that. When I say covered in sweat, I mean absolutely sodden to the bone. I watched as the steam slowly rose from my arms and hands and as the mosquitoes were drawn to the heat signature. They seemed to bite me everywhere that there was skin exposed and I had used a whole heap of mosquito repellent and they just went straight through it. Five minutes later, we slowly started to rise from the wet ground and went about our business. The platoon commander immediately sighted the main gun pit positions around the platoon defensive perimeter. He then sighted two more forward weapon pits linking to the main machine gun pit in the next section. Lastly, he sighted his own weapon pit in depth with one of the scouts. Our hoochies, they're like a, a tent, rubber sheet, were erected between trees and then lowered to ground level until nightfall, when we would then put them back up after nightfall. A track plan was established between all the section weapon pits, and then we put cord between these different pits so that we could find our way around at night time, went up and around the perimeter and into the centre of the defensive position, linking all of the weapon pits together so that we could move around at night. The overnight security picket would be maintained at the main section gun pit. Then we started little hexamine solid fuel fires and had cups of tea and warmed up cans of food. The section commander retrieved the sentry and then I was summoned to go out on a clearing patrol of the area to the front of our position to ensure there was no enemy in the immediate vicinity. We did that every single time we stopped somewhere overnight. I returned from that job and we had another period of silence as we waited for darkness to fall. We're now into a night routine and I went to my shelter, slowly started to put it up and then I got out of my webbing and my wet clothes. I undid the garbage bag that contained my dry clothes and I got changed. The idea was to keep your sleeping bag dry for as long as possible and the only way to do that was to climb into it in a dry uniform. My dirty wet uniform had been hung out on one of the lines that secured my hoochie to the tree. I woke during the night to hear the sound of rain absolutely hammering down on my shelter. It thundered, as I only can do in the jungle. I lay there dry and warm in my sleeping bag, listening to the water falling from the heavens. This was my second year in the battalion, and despite mosquitoes biting my sweaty hands, this was actually one of the things I loved most about deploying into the field. Just laying back, 
and listening to the rain hitting the hoochie. I fell back to sleep and woke for my picket, which is my turn to stay awake and man the gun on sentry duty. The number one rifleman lifted the bottom of my sleeping bag and dropped my feet to wake me. It was a prick of an act, but that's generally the way we rolled. I rolled over and looked outside and could see clear sky and stars and a large hole in the jungle canopy. Awesome, I thought. Sometimes you just get looked after. I rolled up my sleeping bag to stop any scorpions, spiders or any other unknown jungle creatures from taking up residence in a new dwelling, like the Melon Man or other such conspiracy creatures that just happened to roam around the jungle apparently. I had rolled my socks over the entrance to my boots before going to bed with much the same idea really. With my boots now on, webbing on and rifle in my hand, I made my way to the picket. Murray was my section commander, a sprightly and at times angry little man. He took one look at me and grunted his disapproval. The conversation went something like this. You're a fucking idiot. What? I replied. You've been around long enough to know that you don't wear your dry cams on picket. I thought about this for a moment and was annoyed. And then Murray continued. Haven't you learnt anything? Do you think you know better than me, is that it? No, just saw stars out. It's only for an hour and surely I can be trusted to make my own decisions on when I put on or don't put on my uniform. Right, well, let's see how this works out for you then, you little smartass. As if on cue, the mist rolled in, and it started to gently spit. Murray always seemed to have an incredible ability to have the I told you so moment happen almost instantaneously. Just a slight mist at first, and then every minute it increased in its intensity. Murray's smile seemed to be intrinsically linked to the force of the rain. He never took his eyes off me. He sat there, already sodden, and he could easily have been the happiest man on earth, easily the happiest I'd ever seen him. My uniform had changed colour. It was now slowly getting darker and darker as it became more saturated. Before that, it was a light camouflage colour. Murray's time for the picket was over. Half an hour before I was to finish due to staggering the picket timings, just to make sure that all, someone was always awake on the gun. He stood up, slapped me on the saturated shoulder as he got up. I think we're going to be bumped by the enemy before sunrise, Conno. Keep that in mind, Cobber. He walked away, leaving me there looking like a drowned rat the way I should have looked at the start of the sentry duty had I put on my wet uniform, as I'd been taught. The rain continued to fall all through my turn on picket. I lay there in silence, then went to wake the machine gunner for his picket. I returned to my shelter and looked at my other set of wet cams hanging on my hoochie. What to do now? I was wearing wet clothes, and if I got in my sleeping bag for the last hour, my sleeping bag would also be wet. I couldn't get in there with no clothes on, If we were bumped by the enemy, I'd never be able to pack my gear and get on my wet uniform fast enough, and I could be left behind, and that would be embarrassing for a scout. I thought about it for a moment and slowly started to pack up my gear. I changed out of my fresh, wet cams and put on the old sweaty and dirty ones. They stank. I might have had wet cams in my pack, but at least they weren't wet and dirty cams. I saw Murray the next morning. I still hadn't developed enough as a young man to understand that this was the time to express to him what I had learnt by mistake. Instead, I slunk around, keeping a low profile for a few days. He was a great non-commissioned officer, and I vowed not to let him down again, or myself for that matter, by being lazy. Mind you, I vowed that in my own mind, and hadn't really validated it by saying anything to him. Prior preparation prevents piss-poor performance. It's an old saying, but it's also linked to not being lazy in the first instance. You know what? I'm 100% convinced that not being lazy has saved my life on more than one occasion since then. 
Some 15 years later, I was on the mountain warfare course. I was laying in my tent at night and had the need to go to the bathroom. It was early morning and there was still quality sleep to be had. The mountains are an arduous environment and it pays to be well rested and well nourished to contend with the cold and the altitude. I thought back to Murray and the lesson I had learnt from being lazy. I knew that if I made the decision to not get up and go to the toilet that I wouldn't be able to sleep anymore. I was in a thick, goose-down sleeping bag and was shivering. I also knew from experience that if you have to go to the toilet in a cold environment, your body will divert warmth from the extremities to keep the urine warm. This means you're losing valuable energy to maintaining a bodily function that you could intervene in and it also means that you become cold faster. I rolled over into the fetal position, willing myself to get up and get out of bed. The mental arguments played out in my head and finally I sat up and unzipped the bag. I was met straight away with air so cold it took my breath away. I opened the tent out into the vestibule and grabbed my boots, jamming my feet in them fast and then slipped on some woolen gloves. I'd almost fallen out of the tent into the deep snow by the time I was dressed. I relieved myself. Remember, don't eat yellow snow, and that's the reason why. And then I reversed the process. A few minutes later, I was back in the sleeping bag, and although shivering, I could feel myself warming up. I was sound asleep within minutes, and slept for another few hours to get up refreshed and ready for the day. The importance of not being lazy had once again been reinforced to me in a life lesson. The other takeaway from this story is the compounding effects of being lazy. I might have gotten away with it on the first night. I might have lain there, awake for a few hours, gotten back to sleep shivering, and then had a broken sleep. The days on the mountain warfare course are strenuous. There is lots of cross-country skiing which is exhausting and made more so by the inclusion of a heavy pack and military equipment. If you don't get adequate sleep, then the exhaustion is compounded. Tasks become harder the more fatigued you become. The less sleep you're able to get, the more the fatigue sets in and the lazier you become. The circle isn't usually complete until you make a decision or don't make a decision to take a hard right over an easy wrong. For instance, I watched a guy start to remove metal tent pegs from the freezing snow. He could have walked the five feet to his pack and placed the inner gloves over his hands, but he was lazy and started to just pull the stakes out of the ground. Freezing metal on warm skin is dangerous. And he realised this immediately as he grasped the metal shard. It stuck fast to his hand. We had to use warm water to try and bring his hand and the metal stake to the same temperature before peeling it off with most of the skin on the palm of his hand with it. First aid was applied and the commando was left with a painful reminder for the duration of the course and beyond about the importance of not being lazy. In my experience, when someone injures themselves as a result of being lazy, it's usually just the tip of the iceberg. Other shortcuts will have been taken. You can take heart from the fact that once you've identified that you have the tendency to be lazy, a specific habit can be used to counteract this behaviour. It's as simple as telling yourself that you're being lazy. It's important to visualise the second order effects of this laziness and the problems that you're creating for yourself or others by this behaviour. After an event that didn't work out so well for you as a result of your laziness, focus on identifying the lazy behaviour and reflect on the negative result of taking the easy wrong over the hard right. It's no mistake that I learnt these lessons through necessity based on the impacts of harsh environmental conditions. The jungle and the snow will kill an unprepared person in days, and will make life a misery for the prepared person who is lazy. Our modern city lives are very sheltered, and lazy people can operate with relative ease until they are in an environment that they can't control. So... Don't 
make laziness your habit. The main lesson learned, taking the easy option time after time will eventually come around and bite you on your ass. Human nature again will try to influence us to save time and effort in the first instance and ignore the possible benefits or potential negative impacts of not doing a job well or taking the lazy option. Getting away with a lazy option more than once makes you think you can do it again and again. It will become a habit, but don't let this happen. Righto. Thanks for listening, gang. If you'd like to find out about our parent company and the leadership and resilience training and workshops that they offer, please head to the Hindsight Leadership website, www.hindsightleadership.com. Hindsight Leadership, all one word. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, and remember, every dollar helps, you can do that through the podcast website at www.podcast.warrioru.com.au. There's a donation tab at the bottom of the main page and all donations are really appreciated. They keep the show on the road. And if you're interested in the Warrior U military preparation course, whether that's just the physical training component or the whole cultural training package, this can also be found through the podcast website, www.podcast.warrioru.com.au. And just click on the training tab. Remember, we're going to be in Brisbane in 2020 in July for a massive day of leadership and resilience training workshop and live podcast. So uh, keep it locked in your diary. Righto. Thanks for listening and live a life worth living. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.